Is this the right thing to do? Sure. Tell me I'm a good person. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I go that far. I don't think you understood that wasn't a question. Uh, It's very questionable. Welcome, welcome, welcome nerds and nerdettes, welcome obscurios of all shapes and flavors. You're listening to the, the Nerd, Nerd Obscurial Podcast. Podcast. Hi, I'm Eric. And the Oklahoma kid is unclear on what's happening. Okay. And you know what? That is a good sequitur because <laughs> Eric the Troubadour is also unclear. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on. So I decided we're just going to put some bullshit on tape and we're going to maybe even call it the nothing sode. It will be the like in the Seinfeld sense. The show about nothing. This is all happening in real time, people. So mm-hmm. we're figuring this out just in the way that you are. Oklahoma, what would you want to see in a nothing sode? Well, I mean, we wouldn't see anything. It's a audio podcast. Touche. But you understanding what I'm getting at. I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about it. That would be the whole thing, though, is that we don't have a subject. That we really exactly. literally just go through these segments, this one included, having no set pretense and just talking. But, okay, so this is the difficult thing. That's most of our content. And we cut down to try to, like, make it. But even, like, the stuff we cut down to is still pretty blabbering and not really about what's on topic should we even you do have a hard time concentrating should we even actually try to make content after now just do this intro and then use the other content as the nothing sewed because we got fucking walls of content of nothing oh uh, no like it doesn't get no no does it get binned is it it's gone forever has that been scrubbed yes okay yes the uh nerd obscurial like i like he said for both of our sakes that's a very good thing we we uh we generate a it's a very large what they call shooting ratio the idea that you know for every every minute of screen time you see in a film they they've shot you know 10 20 30 minutes of takes i thought you were talking about uh like shooting like guns and stuff and i was about to say yeah we are like stormtroopers when it comes to content we might hit our target once out of every 10 or 11 shots we fire a lot of shots one of them's gonna get in there eventually we're gonna hit no there's there's a large amount of unused content and uh the nerd obscurial servers fill up real fast so there's uh not a huge backlog of unused material that gets saved that gets it gets uh the system gets flushed fairly often the cutting room floor has been swept if we follow this through the nines can part of our joiners be nothing man 
Not Nothing Man. No, no, that's Nowhere Man. Nothing Man is the fucking Pearl Jam song. You were thinking the Beatles song. Yeah, but that's Nowhere Man. That's Nowhere Man. Right. I got really excited about the Nowhere Man thing, and then I realized the Nothing Man thing. And it's not that that's a bad song. It's just yeah. very Pearl Jammy and broody, because it's like early Pearl Jam, too. And it's, uh, I've always enjoyed it as a song, but it's just not I, something I, I was get, not crazy. get that excited about. I was not know? that crazy about Vitology. They kind of lost me after that. And then, like, I've heard some late, like, newer stuff of theirs, like, now much later, that I'm like, oh, yeah, that act's pretty cool. But they put a, the first two albums were great, and then they put out a couple albums in the middle there. That so I was Vitology just, would have been the third, and Vitology that was, was third, when... And whatever the that, fourth one but, was. But Vitology is what Nothing Man was on. Yeah, I, I did not like they Vitology. Had Better Man, that was their big hit. I didn't, I didn't care for that, that song one. either. Right. The first two are definitely their best. With me, of that era, the quote-unquote grunge bands, second album was always the best album. You know, a little exceptions, but the, really the grunge, quote-unquote, you know, and yes, when you look, if you just go and like by the years, Weezer's first album is probably their best album, although I got a special spot for Pinkerton, so I don't know, but... Um, well, Weezer's also not grunge. Exactly, but they're, they're in the years of grunge. So, 90s, they're right. 90s alternative. So it's just not years, it's kind of that, what grunge was, but, and, and of course, this is like, people have special spots for things, but just going down like of grunginess and relevance, Nirvana's first album was Bleach. Their second album was Nevermind. The first album of the Smashing Pumpkins was Gish. Also not grunge. But, so Pearl Jam is actually one where 10 was probably more widely viewed as a more successful album because it had Alive, it had Even Flow, it had Jeremy, which just put them on the fucking map. But people who were of that era knew that Versus was the superior album. Bad Motorfinger with Soundgarden was their first album. Super Unknown was their second album. There was always just something in the water. Do you have any to, to help for my... And actually... Not I off the top of my head, I but I said then... the Weezer thing, but the Weezer kind of goes in the same vein. If you just want to, just in the way that Smashing Pumpkins got thrown in there, if you want to throw Weezer in there... Like, I mean, if we're going to expand it to 90s alternative rather than just grunge. Just grunge, yeah. Because, I mean, grunge is actually a fairly small... Right. It became this big catchphrase right. and kind of a big spark point as being, you know, so different from what came right before it. What was the height of popularity before it was Guns N' Roses. Right. And when right. you compare Guns N' Roses to Nirvana, you know, it's uh, such a huge difference. You know, there was a, bunch, a real sea change well, there. there was a real... Did you hear the story there, too? Like, there was a whole thing at, like, the MTV Music Awards and, like, Axel coming after Kurt Cobain and, like, all this weird stuff. Like, oh, I'm sure. There's Axel coming after Kurt Cobain because Courtney Love was, like, starting shit. <laughs> and, like, Kurt Cobain apparently had some kind of, like, just clever quip about, like, going to her and saying her to her as dryly as possible, like, shut up, fucking bitch, or something. Like, this would be what the, the alpha uh, butt rock guy would want to hear, but uh -huh. he just says it really dryly to her, knowing that no yeah, way Courtney Love is going to respond to that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Courtney <laughs> yeah. Love starting shit. Yeah. Kurt Cobain having some, some very droll, <laughs> low-key mocking response. And Axl Rose being a fucking just infuriated, yes, that, running away. That I don't remember that particular story, but that that matches all three people completely believably. So yeah, I, I buy it. Who else? Had, I'm trying to think of other ones. I was trying to think of groups like Alice in Chains, yeah, which I don't I'm remember not uh, which one was there. I'd which. have to look it up. I would have and to double I'd, check. I'd, yeah, I don't think it, that's part of the sentiment here. Oh, but I was gonna say in the same vein that Penn would be considered the good commercial success but versus the superior album i would argue that pinkerton is the superior album to weezer weezer has buddy 
Holly, Undone the Sweater, like all the big yeah, hits. Yeah, the Blue Album. The Blue the Album. The first album. I'm sorry, what did I say, Buddy Holly? Well, you just said Weezer, but it's, I'm, I'm oh. just saying to specify. They, first off, they have oh. like three albums that are just called Weezer. Self-titled. So, yeah. Right. The one people would commonly know album. as the Blue right. Album. Right. Their first exactly. album, the, the one with the blue cover. And it has like the commercial hits and it has just some great songs on it. Like those are like, um, you know how there's always like, oh, this is our, our sister sorority. This is our brother fraternity kind of right. thing, you know, where it's like they're supposed to be connected in some way, even though they're separate entities. That would be that analogy that those two albums, first, second album, like our sister sorority feel vibes with the Pearl Jam first two oh. albums. Like someone on paper would say, oh no, the first album was better because it had bigger hits. It had more albums sold. It was just a superior album by, by the analytics. But right. the second album was the shit. And anyone who was there knew that that was fucking just song for song. Yeah, the first album was more successful. Right. The second album, though, actually the music is is even better. Not to say there's anything. Both of those first albums are good albums. They're right. great albums. Right. But the exactly. second ones are even better That's albums. the caveat. Yeah. They're even better albums and they're albums that you're not going to hear in their greatest hits. There'll be a song or two maybe they're here or there but like these were great pieces of art just rather than great hit grabbers. But I mean with the exception they were exceptions to the rules because those other groups I talked about the Nirvana Smashing Pumpkins Soundgarden their first albums were like very underground. Bad Motor Finger did have some traction and did have some really good tracks on them but Bleach and Gish were like really niche and like after the fact when you knew you loved the band you loved that shit but if you turn that on and like this is this group you'd be like what the fuck is that turn that off you know yeah it's not what you would play to get someone into them exactly but you could you could once do, you're into them you love it but you but, could do that with the first albums right. of some of the other 90s bands like Pearl Jam well Pearl Jam you is, could do that you Versus throw on is a better, and you're like yeah I yeah get it. same like Soundgarden as well you know if you wanted to play like like you really want to play the, the 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 best ones yeah you'd probably throw on super unknown but you could definitely throw on bad motor finger and and get someone into Soundgarden. So well you now would- you're fucking with me because now that was me saying that Soundgarden. although was super unknown their second album or their third album it might have been their third see Let me i double- may be fucked up on that all together super unknown is their fourth album shit they had I'm way uh, off an indie album release on the label sst okay uh, called ultra mega okay so that's like a bass tape. Then their first major label release was Louder Than Love, uh, followed by Bad Motor Finger, and then Super Unknown. I think one thing is, is like... It's hard because, you know, there's there's also the whole thing about the sophomore slump. So it's like a lot of bands go yeah. the opposite way with it. But I do think there is something that a lot of times I think one reason that you that it is not uncommon for a second album to be kind of a strong one is because with the, a lot of times with the first one, this is kind of all the random stuff they've had. They've had kicking around forever. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's like these are their first efforts and some of their newer stuff. And it's it's kind of this mix of like, here's what we got you know trying to get our shot like this is our chance to put our stuff out there here's everything we've got yeah and then for a lot of bands that means the second album is the one where you really get the chance like now okay oh we're getting to make a second album now we can really like craft an album Do you and like think they can kind of approach that as rather than like these are all the songs we have they can actually write it as an album I was actually going to argue the opposite because Bob Dylan famously said about his first album was that like oh you don't want to give everything 
everything away at the beginning. You want it to be, okay, these are the songs that we're working on, we've had for a while, we've got crafted, we have mm-hmm. out there, but these aren't the best songs we have. I guess an analogy as well could be seen, and I'm not saying that either of these are what these guys were doing, I'm just saying that it's a possibility. Listening to SNL, Dana Carvey and David Spade have a podcast, and like just SNL staff in general, when they talk about stuff, there's like, there's nothing more brutal that you have a great dress rehearsal, but the show goes shitty. You know what I mean? Like, and so part of it is maybe like, okay, this is the first song. Like, yeah, we got to draw them in, but we got to also keep them. So don't give away your best shit at the beginning because then that would be the sophomore slump. Then it's like, oh, fuck, you got our attention now. What do you got, kid? And you're like, ah, shit. Well, like I said, it's not a universal thing. I'm saying like, I think this is what happens in those situations where you get that second album where you're like, oh, well, this is the real deal. But you also get that situation and that's why there's a lot of bands that have that sophomore slump where you're kind of like, yeah, we shot our wad and now you're like, we haven't had time to, you know, like I I do think there also is sometimes that thing though, like, yeah, you want to try and like save something and not give everything all the way at once. But then also for a lot, a lot of times, you know, depending on what your access is and what you, what you, you know, feel like you can do. Yeah. A lot of times bands might be like, this is, we got to get it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If we don't, if we don't give the best now, yeah, we might not get to make that second closed on us for sure. Exactly. We got to, we got to put the best foot forward now so that then we can hopefully come up with something more because if we save it and then they're like, oh, we didn't like what you gave us. Now we have like left our best stuff on the shelf and we don't have the chance to use it. That can be a double edged sword because, okay, we have to put our best foot forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Also, that is a limiting thing because if you have these certain songs that you know are really good, but you're not sure how the audience is going to receive it. And then you put it out there and it's like, oh my God, you're fucking a God. You're brilliant. I can't believe you made that song. But when you have the song in your back pocket and you're like, no one's doing shit like this. Like this is, this could be fucking weird. This could be weird as shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, people might not be ready for it, but yeah, people might not be ready for it. That's the thing. And so maybe that first album was like, okay, maybe this is the safe stuff. This is the stuff that we're kind of more in the pocket for what normal music of this time is. And then, okay, now you got all of our attention. Okay, now we're going to do what's authentically ours that we thought would be too right. weird before. But then, then you're getting into questions of like, how much do you want to lean towards like trying to get commercial success and how much you want to just do your thing as an artist? I mean, which there's a balancing act there. Oh, yeah. But then also you get a situation like, speaking of the, are they grunge or are they not? You get the situation of something like, think about Stone Temple Pilots, where they're a band that very much was labeled with a sophomore slump. But you get the situation of they did something with their their first album very much fit into that grunge thing it very much played to what was going on at the moment then they released their second album and it was people were like oh sophomore slump this is something we but see listen to it now it's the better album but see this is what i was gonna argue genuinely them that's that's exactly what i was gonna say is that this would be my argument for what i was saying earlier i think they were like this is what we got to do because this is what's gonna get us the eyeballs like this is what's gonna Mm -hmm. this is the safe stuff because these songs are fucking badass and people are gonna love them. And then when they made Purple, you know, like you listen to a song like Pretty Penny, that's such a departure and weird song. It's got fucking uh, hand drums in it. Mm -hmm. It's got acoustic guitar and a vocal and like that's it. And it's it's a really cool song. I love the song, but it would be no way that you'd want to put something like that on your first album. That would be like suicide. If you're trying to make a break, you can actually try to have a big audience 
audience mm-hmm. having on the first album no way uh, but yeah actually we hadn't mentioned stp before and that would be another controversial one but because a lot of people people feel that purple is where they sold out and that interstate love song was kind of a sellout song and i really still like interstate oh, no, love see, song. I, I think it's a fucking banger. i think it's the other so, way uh, i think it's i think it's like they kind of got they had some songs that maybe weren't they were like good they were like but i think they were i feel like they were probably kind of pushed because that's what was going on and then when they got to make purple they're like okay this is what we want to do like i definitely feel like that's because if you listen to what they then went on to do i agree it's more authentically stone temple pilots sound but the thing was is that like with scp like i get this thing like scott wyland himself like everyone thought he was kind of like jockey at first and so like when he was coming out with these songs from the little things i've seen about scp and stuff like Mm -hmm. that that's always been like the vibe he himself didn't know quite where to fit in and like i think the band themselves said that about scott wyland like he seemed kind of like a jock and like they were really didn't know he'd he'd have this other side like when i talk pretty penny this Mm -hmm. is like real tenderness and thing that you don't figure from a jock you know right we'll take a moment and we'll get back to some more nothing soups on people soups on So welcome back. Welcome back. Oklahoma just put on his ring, his wedding ring, which is a Green Lantern ring. Yes, I take my ring off to go to the bathroom. Oh, so you had it in your pocket and you just realized you hadn't put it back on. uh, During the break, I utilized the facilities. And by the facilities, I mean the side of Eric the Troubadour's car. My car. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, tractor, whatever, whatever the hell's out there. I peed on something. So and it's this everything here belongs to you. So sure. So I peed on something of yours, which it is a funny notion. Everybody, are we all ready? 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 It's directed by Lukewarm. Right. Um, it is a funny notion. Like I peed on your property, even though like you're pissing in the rocks, you know. And it is something where it's it's a funny it's a funny thing to meditate about when you think about like the racial stereotype against Native Americans, the Indian giver, right? Oh, we sold something to your land, and now you want to have it back. But like they had no concept of what land was, right? So it's like someone coming up to you and say, "Oh, I'm gonna sell you th- a star." <laughs> you know, okay. You can buy that star from you, me. I don't care, you know. Like, and then, like, oh, well, I'm going to shoot up your tribe and kill you all and take you off of here well hey that's, that's that's kind of an extreme reaction but like the idea of like you own land the, oh I, I peed on your land is why why i start going in that direction and thinking about it it's it's to me still a little bit odd and strange and i i guess i don't know i i think that where where do you lie on this because as well we do live in a very uh anglicized on peeing on things or the rape no, of the native americans the land what is uh, land I'm, what is I'm, ownership I'm, of land the idea that you're walking down the street and you, you have to go to the bathroom so you piss on a tree and someone's like they came onto my land and peed on my land like we know that they're technically right within our system but it's also like i was just peeing on a tree dude you know i mean i can i personally can understand the idea of having like somewhere that's your space okay and respecting i mean i don't know about ownership getting into whole ownership but i can see right. like respecting that like this is where i'm living so that like my space and if you're coming in 
into it being respectful of like this is where I live like right. if you're walking down the street and you're like I need to take a shit so you shit on this next to this in this bush but that bush is in my yard it's like okay but now I have to deal with that right like right. you've put something onto me because to you this is just a bush you walk past and you're not gonna walk past it again but to me I have to like this is now outside my window like I can't open my window without smelling your shit and it's kind of like that's kind of disrespectful to me right of being like hey I came into your space and did this thing because fuck ownership but now you have to deal with yeah. the consequences of my actions oh and it's really so the, there's a balance so ownership is it's the it's biggest thing is that there's always a motherfuckers with the hypotheticals like if we can think of it some motherfucker can do it and yeah. that's what fucks up everything for yeah everyone, it's you know ownership is is a means to an end of in really enforcing a ba- behaviors i mean that's what yeah. society i mean all of our societal enforcing the expected behavior in your space well not necessarily the expected behavior i mean the idea the principle behind all of our social constructs is really a way to is the idea is to make people behave properly think about it think about right. it. like that's the whole libertarian idea no of if course. everybody behaved responsibly yeah. and respectfully to each other we would have no need for laws but this we would, would have no the- need for rules because people would just do it naturally but that's the thing we have to have a rule saying don't kill someone else just because you want to because some motherfucker will like that's the thing people are flawed so we we have to have things like the idea of ownership because otherwise someone will do something fucked up to you or stupid i mean when you talk about the rules and stuff like that like we have to have and this isn't you know, this is like even lawyer stuff this yeah, is like the liability stuff like don't we have use to have, this toaster in the bathtub yeah don't have this exhaust producing generator running indoors don't run exhaust indoors seems kind of simple but because it's a generator we have to put a special label on it well yeah you know? and i mean because people we can't trust people unfortunately not everybody's smart not everybody's responsible not everybody's respectful and not everybody's nice so we have to have things like the idea of ownership put in there because you know otherwise you could just be respectful and then like when you have a smaller society it's easier that way you know with like the native peoples the first nations you know where they're living in these smaller tribes and groups and not interacting on a huge level you know yeah they can make sure everybody understands like look if someone's in a space be respectful of that person you know they might not own that space but if they're there right now if they've got their you know if they're sleeping in this space don't come over and shit next to their head that's right. just rude right. and people will understand that but when you get, start getting a larger and larger society where you have more and more variables of people and as you get larger statistically you're going to get the bell curve 50 percent of people are going to be below average that goes for intelligence that goes for respectfulness that goes for any any quality in the idiocracy of what the idiocracy hypothetical that well, because dumb people are having more kids and smart people are having less kids oh, that no, no, actually no, no, no. we're getting dumber no 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 i'm saying on a bell curve no i believe in the bell curve no but so I, it's 50%. those don't have to be mutually exclusive uh I, I i wouldn't be surprised if yes the level of intelligence i mean it's hard to say because the also the median of intelligence is changing sure so it's like we could say like there's more people who are dumb now than ever before because more dumb people are having babies but there's more mega geniuses but the people who well but also the idea of what's smarter right because think about it you know there are things that people who were geniuses a hundred years ago and someone nowadays says the things that those people thought you'd be like what are you a fucking idiot you know like oh you know the moon's made of fucking cheese 500 years ago people were like who the fuck knows it could be anything now we're like what are you a fucking moron no it's not religion the same way do you think 500 5,000 whatever the time span needs to be eventually people will be like you believe in 
Santa Claus? Like, you really believe in Santa Claus? Like, like, you already a fucking idiot with religion. religion? Oh, do you think with re- religion? Like, the, Santa Claus is Jesus Christ in this analogy, and you're a fifty-year-old man that believes in Santa Claus. Do you think five hundred years, five thousand years, whatever the time span may be, eventually humans will look at Christians now and think of them like fifty-year-olds that believe in Santa Claus? Maybe it's not without the realm of possibility, but I think the more looking depends at- if they're right. <laughs> well, I was gonna say if they're right, then um, no. <laughs> I was going to say, if you look at like the track record, what's more likely is it's going to be like other religions in the long, long, long run. Odds are something will come along and eventually religions that we have now will phase out, you know, because there were other religions before. And then you'd be like, Yo, yeah, what, I mean, you believe in Zeus. You believe Zeus throws 5,000 years from now. Christ only came 2000, you know, so 5,000 years now is like two times longer than Christ has been here and look at what he's done in those 2,000 years. So what if some other figure or what if, you know, whatever yes. replacement comes there? Yes. So so the most likely scenario in, in a long run for any religion is that you will become like the Greek pantheon or like it'll be it'll become like believing in being an actual worshiper of Thor, you know, uh, of Odin. I talk like, about how I'm a pantheist. Yeah. Now you're getting the big picture. Um, now you're getting the bird's eye view. <laughs> I mean, they're all going to eventually something new will come along. And yeah, at a certain point in human in the human future, if you come up to someone, you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I believe in Jesus. It would be like me telling you, like, my personal belief, I believe Zeus causes the weather. And you'd be like, well, that's weird. You know, but if you believe in Jesus, that's normal because a lot of people do it. But eventually less people will do it and it'll become more. So that's more but of a it norm, is the normalization fatal, thing. It is the fatal flaw of future predictions and stuff like that that like someone was talking about it with um the dystopian future movies and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff brave new world 1984 clockwork yes. orange all that kind of shit is that it's still based off of something that you perceive right now and there's a future where you can't perceive the thing and the thing is is that like christianity may still be around it still may be like buddhism or not buddhism hinduism mm-hmm. but with the polytheist so even though if you just took numbers monotheism is much more popular right now than right. polytheism but it's like hey that's still around though it still exists there's still people like that but it's not what the bell curve tells us well but i'm saying you asked about a religion specific are you talking about religions in like all religions or are you talking about the specific ones we have now i think my original question was about all religions will, will eventually, eventually a religion is like a santa claus story that oh you made up to make you feel better kind of thing uh the idea of religion in general and of like Do you think that will always no. be around. No, that will always be around because there will always be things we can't explain. I, I don't think there's going to be a point in humankind's lifespan I'll agree with where we're going to completely understand everything there is to understand about the universe, physics, nature, everything. Like, where we'll have, there'll be no questions left. See, where we'll be like, have an answer for everything. I don't see so science as representing that. I think science does in its I didn't say, we didn't say any, you didn't say anything about science. You no, asked no, no, about but, religion. But I'm saying that, I'm saying that what I'm trying to describe here though is that religion, it's not an acknowledgement of mystery. Mm-hmm. It's trying to explain it. So science explains it and science is still in play. Science can be around because science yes. technically by its rules has to always be around because that's what makes science. The act of actively trying to explain what these mysteries are, that's kind of re- 
religion's role. People will always do that. That's people a, always, I think people that's a natural. People always come to those conclusions. They always will, make those leaps of faith, logic, whatever you want to call it. People will always have ideas, and some some people will then repeatedly. Will that get worse and worse is another question, because what I'm seeing on trend of life and existence is that is the case. Like, is this just a weird swing of the pendulum? Or is Having this... religions? No, no, no. The, you were describing about needing an, an explanation, getting to weird conspiracies have like the curse of pattern seeking like the, we as humans that's what we're very good at we mm-hmm. seek patterns we look for trying to sort shit out trying to figure out stuff and that has a ugly side to it and conspiracy theories and stuff like that I feel like that's what you were kind of talking about the reason why we have to have religion is because we have to pattern seek and we have to do that so but the differentiation that I was making earlier was that whereas science is just there and acknowledging it and trying to do what it can to prove or disprove or just try to, to figure it out through trial and error. Right. Religion is giving a, a definitive answer. But it feels like to me that that's the differentiation between theology and science is that theology, there's always going to be mysteries. Everyone's acknowledging that. Theology is trying to make answers to all that. Okay, just have faith in God. Just have faith in God. And then science is trying to say, like, okay, what have we learned? What have we learned? You know, what... what what tests can we do? What can we learn? What tests can we do? What can we learn? And I agree with you that 5,000 years from now, there will be still that need. My question I was positing was that, is that escalating? And do you think it won't necessarily be religion, but there'll be more and more, here are answers because there's more and more questions and more and more mysteries. More and more pure answers? Here are answers. There'll be more and more figures that will arise. Like, here's the answer. Religion's one way of it, but you know, if you look at it and think of it like any kind of fascist strongman, that's the appeal, right? Here are the answers. I will lead you here. I will do this. I had mentioned that I feel like it was escalating, but I was kind of coming to realize that is it? Because, you know, we talk about the correlation with organized religion and obviously, you know, like four or five hundred years ago in particular, uh-huh. the immense power of the Catholic Church and essentially them kind of replacing who we see as these military strongmen kind of political leaders that's been happening in the 20th and the 21st century. But I, in my eyes, I had seen it almost like, oh, well, I think it's escalating. But then part of me while you're talking was like, wait, is it? Am I having rose-colored glasses for the past? And maybe it's it's always been there and it's actually been stable and maybe even less than it was 2,000 years ago? You know, what would your thoughts beyond that where would you put the barometer on that do you think we're the the biggest question i said is is this part of the bell curve or is this an escalation going to oblivion of organized religions becoming more and more powerful no, of of the leaps of uh, of the people giving answers naturally we as humans want to ask questions mm-hmm. but then the people giving answers and the comfort that people take in the ge- in getting those answers and whether that's through organized religion or political governments or whatever source that may be. Alex Jones, who the fuck knows? Wherever they're getting those answers that aren't right, they're just making them feel good. 
you know it's this isn't like you're getting your answers from science because it's the truth and that's actually what's you know what i mean like i, I do want to make that differentiation that this is just people giving answers but not necessarily the right answers not necessarily informed answers just answers that make them feel better and again i think you've got to be very careful with this because you know but it, it can be seen in organized religion religions it can be seen in political factions you know it's the pope or fucking mussolini you know whatever the common denominator between those two kind Uh of things you know what i mean like where those are all similar message be damned but still they are asking for someone to have an answered question they aren't asking for like with science like let's test it and let's keep testing it and let's make let's learn from our mistakes they don't want to let's learn from our mistakes they are this is what it is this is absolutely what it is you don't need to think about anything else this is what it is right again i think that depends on whether you're talking about a religion or faith like i can't speak for every individual and their right their own perspective in a on, religion sense in a religion sense in terms of organized religion in organized religion yes uh it answers my prime mover question which was about do you think eventually humankind will look at religion and think it's silly like a 50 year old who believes in santa claus but it was there at day one and it's gonna be there on the last day like it's 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 a personality trait it's not a i'll grow out of this thing you know it's always been there and it's always gonna be there with humanity i don't think it's something we'll ever age out of to use the santa claus example like there's a quick aside really really quick Uh uh-huh and i I don't think it's strong enough for a type five but i was thinking about this where like i hate the bullshit of like oh being a parent is selfless like i hate that shit because Mm -hmm. it's very selfish act actually when you think about it but the one place where we are is christmas because it'd be so nice just to take credit for that shit not to have like some jolly man like it's like no i i I worked hard and earned that money and gave you that thing (laughs) you know that's like the one spot where parents are actually being selfless is santa claus but what i'm saying is that uh we can prove there like we know there's no santa claus we put those presents there we don't we don't have that for the prime mover thing and what i'm saying is we probably never will what it's you more of like we our might... comprehension of the atom or something it will get more sophisticated it'll get different but it's still a mystery out there for there's us to still going to be every time right. we get a new every time we find an answer it's going to open up five more questions it's going to that's going to be the way of things but that's such a beautiful thing and that's exactly you know especially when we're talking about the atom like that's exactly actually why i have faith in humanity why i think humanity is such a great thing is because we do that every question that's answered we have five more questions you know what i mean and it's an like we are this is taken from arthur douglas i want to acknowledge that our real strength is our questions not our answers you know what I mean? So yeah, sometimes it is disheartening that someone who's just going to give a bunch of answers, whether on the political, the spiritual, or whatever realm, gains so much traction and becomes so powerful. I guess that is the question. Like, will we phase out of that? Will we phase out of wanting people to always give the answers of, of wanting, whether in a spiritual sense or a political sense or whatever, will we want to be asking question, question askers rather than just answer getters well i think it's an individual thing but i think there will always there will always be people who are both let's put it that way interesting but i think it goes beyond that when you said originally was that we all have it within us like even we can be the most logical in one thing but like superstitious in another thing like Mm -hmm. we can have this illogical belief 
here and know that it's illogical and still fucking go with it every time, mm -hmm. but then have this very pragmatic thing on this other side. And it's just, like you said, it's every person has those two sides. Yeah, it's like the saying, you know, like, no group is a monolith. No person really is a monolith either. Well, I don't think it's ever going to get any better for that on my side. So why don't we take a moment, take a little break, and uh, we'll come back on the other side, figure out what to do next. All right. Okay, let's take her in a new direction. We're getting pretty heavy over here. This isn't prepared at all, but I was gonna try to prepare and I was trying to think of like a, okay, I started looking up best prog rock songs of all time. And the list came out really weird, like not expected stuff at all. So there were certain things where it was like groups that I like, but didn't really see as prog rock, like Pink Floyd were put on a lot of lists. Yeah, it's definitely more early on. And it's definitely also, it's like, it's like the proto-prog rock. It's an unclassified, like, precursor to prog rock. It's, but it's, it's like saying the best blues rock bands of all time and putting Lead Belly on there. It's weird, right? I can see why people put Pink Floyd in there. But to me, it's a little bit like saying best metal bands of all time, Led Zeppelin. There isn't metal without Led Zeppelin, but Led Zeppelin, they're not really metal. They're not really metal. I will give you that. But there's no metal without Led Zeppelin. It's like James Brown. There's no soul without James Brown. But James Brown ain't really soul. He's like the godfather of soul. He's that, the, that's his I title. Mean, yeah, I mean, that's he's, his title. He's the godfather of soul. Another one that like I yes. want to get your opinion on another group. A lot of top tens had a few, not just like a one, you know, one and done, but a few from Dream Theater, which hurts oh. my soul. But go ahead. What's wrong with Dream Theater? Fucking math rock, dude. That's kind of that. that's what prog rock is i get that. you you asked you talked earlier about like the idea of like sister so you're a big dream theater fan i'm not a huge big dream theater fan like they're just not someone i've gone out and like bought all the albums but i dig what they're doing my thing is i respect them as musicians you gotta respect the hell out of them if you know anything about music you have to respect the hell out of them but i think math rock is a real apt term for dream theater it's like it's just so it's so gone numbers okay here's a good analogy there's a episode of the simpsons where they were doing the whole billy bean baseball thing and they were getting really really good because lisa was doing the whole billy bean stats and analytics analytics yeah. and stuff like that Moneyball, that type of shit. Moneyball, exactly uh but you know towards one of the end scenes bart is trying to steal home base or something mm -hmm. and like lisa knows it's going to be terrible but like it's so exciting while it's happening and gets her into the game and that's for me what dream dream theater is the analytics like but it doesn't get you into the game and have like the passion in the story that some like soul or some other stuff would have it represents to me the analytics of music over the stealing home base but uh, and i'm free to admit my own ignorance i haven't listened to a lot of dream theater and so this is definitely like maybe gauche assumptions that I'm coming into yeah. with it. So there could be some some stuff that just rocks my dick off, of course. I, I think that's the vibe on them, at the very least. And to those uninitiated, that's they become the poster boy. I'll put it that way. They become the poster boy for that, so I haven't given 
them a chant. It's it's like Nickelback. They become the poster boy for that thing. But if you actually sat down and listened to some Nickelback songs, if you weren't told what they were, eventually mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, this is kind of a cool song, you know? <laughs> they are artists and they are especially Dream Theater. I get it. They're fucking great artists. Like these yeah. aren't fucking assholes just brought off the street. Like these are the thing for me sometimes is that like it is sometimes we're like, oh, like they just went from six eight to thirteen fifteens. It's time signature. Mm-hmm. It's like Okay. Didn't make the melody any better. It just, it just like made it really weird and disjointed. It's like, it's a li- yeah, I, I think the wanker guitarist thing, it, it, there's a little bit of a showing off thing. Like you're just doing really intricate, complicated things to say you've done them. For the not, sake of doing intricate, complicated right. things, right? And it's not even maybe Dream Theater themselves, but all the people who wanted to be Dream Theater. <laughs> so I lumped that in. And yeah. So that's where the bad taste is. Who would you have as your number one prog rock song? What would that be for Oklahoma? So um, Zappa's got to be there, right? Like yeah. Zappa's got to be, and that was a weird thing too. Zappa was never in a list. I, I don't think people really consider him prog rock because he's he's so kind of doing his own thing. I'll be honest. I like the ideas of prog rock, but the stuff that is the real strict, like where purists would be like, this is prog rock, yeah. are not bands I listen to a lot. Right. I listen to a lot of the stuff that are doing prog rock type stuff that are that people would probably put in other genres. What like Dream you, Theater or, or you know, you things that would be like math rock, a, psychedelia, a prog rock uh, post rock, a prog rock anthem that even if like you're not all about it, like, OK, I get that this is a prog rock anthem. It's kind of fucking codified itself. This deserves to be on the top five, at least. Okay, um, let me make it simpler for you. Tom Sawyer, deserve, not deserve. I'm not a huge Rush Any person. song from Rush. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a huge Rush person. I, I respect what they're doing. Right. But it's not my cup of tea. But you know a lot of these lists had a lot of Rush. Yes, Rush Rush is the, uh, the poster child the poster of prog child. rock, yeah. I, so I'm, you're prog rock, but you're not into mainstream prog rock. Exactly. Like, like I said, prog. I like the tenets of prog rock. And <laughs> Even I like, when you're being Weird. You have to be a little weirder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of the bands that would be thought of as really as like traditionally falling into the prog rock, I mean, like I'm I'm a little more into like Yes than I would be into. Uh, yes was there. Well, one group that I was surprised was never mentioned at all, and maybe is a false assumption for me, and I don't have a proper understanding of what prog rock is. Uh-huh. ELO had nothing. And to me, like if you're mentioning Yes, but you're not even talking about ELO, what are we doing? My guess is that ELO has too much pop sensibility to they're doing a lot of prog rock stuff again but I, I think the purists are like well it's not really prog rock yeah um, but the thing it's is it's prog like, rock adjacent if I was doing a list of prog rock quote unquote and mm-hmm. you know I'm not as seasoned as you so this is pretty ignorant but like I would definitely have a song by Zappa and ELO Yes seems like a common denominator for sure even though I don't know which song I would use from Yes because I don't have a lot of their stuff you know there was a lot of stuff that it's just it's very specialized like I, I hadn't really not really on my radar mm-hmm. like not only on the fact of like oh I haven't listened to that but like oh I've never heard of that like what was something like King Crimson King Crimson was actually one of those that was enough on my radar I'm like okay yeah, I know. I've heard that name yeah yeah they're they're cool but again it's not something I bought a lot of the albums but it's it's something where it's like okay King Crimson not only did they show up on lists enough for me to 
pattern so you can say okay yeah they do belong there but like the name sounded familiar and I, I know that the name's been thrown around somewhere yeah. in some kind of conversation it wasn't like two words I've never heard together before it was like uh, oh I, I think I heard that band before yeah. I, know, I think I know what you're talking about heard of I don't I could never assume that I've heard one of their songs but well and then this was also going to be the question because I think this very well pinpoints it into the era Genesis a lot of Genesis choices yes early Genesis is very prog rock and, and I wouldn't put in best prog rock songs of all time I wouldn't have even thought of Genesis oh yeah no when they had Peter Gabriel they were Peter Gabriel though yeah that that is one where it's like okay yeah Peter Gabriel get that he's prog rock Brian Eno is kind of weirdly in there too I don't know just like the the movement of what music was and I, I think there's probably a Brian Eno song that's kind of rock that would maybe I'm sure he's got something that can in fall the in there yeah but yeah the, the Lamb Lays Down on Broadway that's a prog rock album you know if you had asked me like I definitely would have gone back and re-listened to that album if you would like if I had come in prepped for this question right that's definitely would have been something well, like alright I need Gabriel, to go back and check that and find the song on I'm there that I want to throw on because that would be on there here's the thing what real like when you think when, when you're looking at these lists and stuff right what they're calling out as the, that core prog rock it's to the 70s what heavy psychedelia was to the 60s okay so when people are talking real when people are making these lists of prog rock that's who they're looking at is like what was the you know the 70s equivalent to psychedelia who were the bands that were doing that shit right that's really kind of what they're looking at and that's interesting why someone like ELO would be too mainstream like yes gets the seal of approval Mm -hmm. but ELO doesn't if you're talking like real like full blown psychedelia yeah like I could see the real like people who are like purists about it wouldn't include Jimi Hendrix so I could see that being like the deal with ELO right you know being a little bit like he has psychedelic in there but he's also just rock and roll and blues with some psychedelia in there but he's really and like I could see ELO kind of being disqualified the same way you might disqualify Jimi Hendrix from being core psychedelic yeah. Where he's not like getting really out there and spacey. He's still he's still writing rock songs. See, and Floyd for me would be the core core psychedelia, and so that's and why, that's why they make the list so kind of as the proto like the prog rock shit. Was it like no? You're in the wrong fucking genre, dog. <laughs> like they, they may have maybe expanded out to have this great song on this great album that's very prog rocky, but you know, I think putting putting Pink Floyd on your prog rock list is like putting James Brown on your soul list mm-hmm. like you kind of got to put him in there because he created it but he's not the core example of it he's right. the progenitor of it right so it's kind of like that is, is how i think the early pink floyd stuff is like what oh, gave birth that, to Broadway. let's put a little tag on that one he's not the core example he's the progenitor that is fucking brilliant yeah i love that we're not gonna get any better than that let's take a moment and we'll be back in a second go from here <laughs> mind blown well I, yeah i think just, i dropped just, truth bombs. just walking away this is one that maybe would uh tickle your fancy at this moment when you were a kid my thing was i wanted to be a marine biologist some wanted to be police officers some wanted to be wait are you just is this just a seinfeld thing or are you being dead serious i'm being serious okay i wanted to be a marine biologist when i was a little kid that would be my answer what do you want to be when you grow up marine biologist 
I thought that was the shit. What was yours? If mine was Marine Batman. Batman. A what? Batman. Okay. Of course it was. <laughs> Honest answer. If you had asked me at age seven, what do you want to be when I grow up? I would have said motherfucking Batman. I had a good one. This is actual fucking uh, God honest truth for the high school senior guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. She got what professions we wanted to be. And I put voodoo economist. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's take Batman out of it. All Let's right. take marine biology out of it. You got to start over. Whatever field you choose, you're going to have like a mentor who's going to make you badass and you're going to fucking do this the rest of your life and you're going to be amazing at it mm-hmm. because you have every opportunity to do it correctly. What do you choose? You know, I'm going to stand by what I said in the buzz episode and say illustration. We talked about this in the buzz episode? I thought I was being really clever. We did. I mentioned, you know, yeah. fuck uh, me. He said if you could be a virtuoso. You worded it a little different. If you're like, you get, you get you get guaranteed to be a virtuoso at this thing. Like, you're going to grow up to be, you get to pick a thing at six, and it's like you're guaranteed you're going to be a oh. master at this. What do you pick? And I said illustration. And you were like, piano. No. Violin. Wait. Nope. Chef. <laughs> It tracks. <laughs> I can't guarantee it's quality, but it tracks. So you're standing by illustration, though. But the thing is, is that, like, I guess the the, the way that it's changed, and I, I respect this hell that you're standing by it, but the way it's changed is that, like, it expands out to, like, okay, this isn't artistic forms. It's, like, any way to have a profession, like, any ability. Like, you could be stock market. It could be, but, 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 like, it doesn't matter, but it's just any profession. It isn't excluded down to that. Like, you could be a welder. You could be a mechanic. No, you could I mean, be a, I would choose to be something artistic. You'd want like, to be that is anyways. my preferred field. You're, you're going to stand by that. You could do kids' books. You could do something that I think is really cool. We talked about earlier with The Mandalorian. I think it would be an awesome job if I, if I went back to film school and started again there. This is probably the field I would want to, like, gear towards would be concept art. Being the concept artist for things. You can work on movies, TVs, video games. Video games I all feel concept like artists. Like, art though, like is it different now because um computers and stuff like i feel like concept art like drawers like the the um fan uh, fashion concept like you're you're sitting there doing drawings a lot yeah that's sketches what, and that's stuff what i'm like talking that. about like drawing yes yeah no no but you know like, sketches and stuff like i i, I didn't no, you like to sketch a lot. Yeah, I'm not very good at it, but it's something I, I really like. Oh, okay. So that's the f- fantasy fulfillment for sure. Yeah, yeah, like be amazing at that. Yeah, like and that. I, the reason I say it, like that one would be cool because it gives you a couple different options. You can do some different stuff. You could bounce between a couple different things. You could be doing concept art, working on, on movies. You could be doing concept art for video games. You could be drawing comic Just books. As I mentioned, you could be drawing fashion, kids books. Fashion. You could be doing fashion stuff. That's not really my cup of tea but it's another aspect you could be you doing. You did tell me before you came in here about how much you love... <laughs> what do you want to happen when you die? Not necessarily what you think will happen, not necessarily what um, you hope will happen. Mm-hmm. What do you want to happen? Uh, if you watch the TV show, The Good Place, okay, starring... Kristen Bell, uh, what they describe as... And um, it's also got... Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Very, very good show. Uh, What they ultimately show as The Good Place, that's what I want. That seemed pretty good to me. What'd they show? Basically, it's an idealized version of this life. 
So you get to live it again. Imagine taking everything you like and getting ready. Well, imagine taking everything that's nice and getting rid of everything that's not. So it's just like all the best parts of your life. But also stuff that's not possible in real life. So, like, imagine getting... But this is your ideal Imagine, afterlife? like, an eternal holodeck. Eternal holodeck. Okay, yeah, I like, got you. If you're like, you know what? I want to go to Paris today. There it goes. Right. Now you're in Paris. You're like, I want to go to Paris in March 4th, 1952. There. It's Paris, March 4th, 1952. It just create like, you can have whatever scenario you want, and you can just chill in it and do whatever you want. And everybody there is all the people who are cool and all the people who are not cool, uh, who are not respectful, are not there. Everybody there is being respectful and good and doing their own thing. And if there's something you're not into, they're over there doing that. They're into it. You're not. You're over here doing what you're into. Right. Everybody's good. It's all good. America. That's America. that's what I want. It's America. No, it is does not <laughs> resemble America at all. Oh, so, but I, I can't let this pass. The holodeck. Mm -hmm. It was actually Star Trek. Not Star Wars, Star Trek, surprisingly. Who was the catalyst for, for my perfect eternity. Kirk. Right, he dies. And he's somewhere out there, and he's, like, splitting wood. Like, that's his thing. That's what he's oh, doing. Oh, the one where they have Picard and Kirk meet? Yeah. Okay, exactly. yeah, I he's, get you. Picard's, uh, Kirk's already dead. Picard's coming over and meeting him, and he's, like, splitting wood. Out. And the whole thing within that universe was that your perfect thing was your afterlife. What perfection would have been to you in your life. And so he was out on a farm splitting wood doing right. shit like that. That was kind of, for me, like, thinking an idea, like, we get to choose. When I came to it more and more, it wasn't, like, a place. It was just, like, I think my perfect afterlife, if, if we get a choice on when we die. But I think that was the whole thing with Kirk, was that he got to choose. Mm -hmm. Right? He got to choose what his afterlife was going to be. And that's what he chose. So what I would choose would just be a fucking remote with my life. Like go through it all again like like as a viewer like watching it or actually be back in it no you wouldn't be back in it you'd just be watching it you watching just, it like on a screen like my I think my afterlife my perfect afterlife just continuing to look at what was already here like there's the good the bad there's but there's everything and it's like I don't know what else is out there with eternity and stuff like that like what other stories and all that kind of stuff that seems weird like I did know what happens here and there's so much I missed already here you know that's my biggest thing so I, there's already so much I missed when we're kids we pick up on all this shit all these little cues moments but like mm -hmm. it's just a little moment the um reading Marcel Proust mm -hmm. earlier that I was talking about right it's the same thing like being able to take at half of a line and fucking meditate on it for a fucking half hour. You know, just be able to take the smallest thing and really contemplate it and think about it, you know. To fast forward and be able to just, like, see the gap and the expansion of what my ideas of life and comprehension was. Like, to, to be able to have the bird's eye view of life in existence while I was here. Fair enough. Now I'm the opposite way. Like I'm like been there, done that. There's so many things me and Ms. Oklahoma, you know, want to do. And it would be like, if there's an afterlife, it would be the opportunity to do all those things we didn't get to in life. 
Like to me, it's just like that me and Ms. Oklahoma would have, you know, infinite time to sit down together and read. And that's the key part of it. I mean, really, ultimately, whatever, if, if I've got any choice in what the afterlife is, it's just me and Ms. Oklahoma being together. But what would really be awesome is just us having time to just like, if we could just sit there and we had time to read every book and watch every show, go to every museum, see every painting, watch every movie. But yeah, it, to me, it would be having the opportunity to continue to just keep having new experiences and doing all the things that we never would have had been able to get to in this life, sharing that with my soulmate. You want a second go? Uh, I just want to keep going. Like, Whoa, yeah. You, know, you want a second go with I'm, your starting place I'm, right I'm now. happy. I'm happy now, and it's just like, I just want to keep going. Like, I just want me and Ms. Oklahoma to just keep keep on going, being able to keep having adventures and doing stuff and enjoying things together and, you know, and basically to have all our pets, all the pets we've had, and have them with us and just you know our, uh, I, I don't know if this is something that we we talked earlier about you know like gender role and all that kind of stuff but like it doesn't matter all the gender role ultimately and all this kind of stuff like just having a, a counterpart mm-hmm. having someone who fucking just like completes you like makes you whole mm-hmm. you know I know you found that in Miss Oklahoma. Yep. And, and I'm sure uh, Miss Trubador will find I, it someday. I found Miss... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I have found it in Miss Trubador. When she finds hers, when she finds hers, I will, um, I'll let you know. You can't just lob them over the plate like that, dude. Of course I'm going to swing. Find people in your life that make you the best person you can be. I guess if I have to just give one advice, you know, that that's that seems pretty impenetrable as advice, you know, like you, that's just solid advice, mm. no matter your circumstance, the age, whatever it may be. Mm. I don't think we're going to top anything there for a second. So let's uh, take a moment and then uh, we'll get back after some soup, some soup. Three books. Desert Island. What do you pick? It's tricky because it's got to be not just something you really liked, but something you can read over and over and over again mm-hmm. in the Desert Island situation. Because we're not saying best, we're saying Desert Island. Desert Island. So. I can give mine if Go for it. Helps. Okay. Go for it. Remembers of Things Past. Mm-hmm. It's a seven series anthology and it's a safe choice. Uh, the Iliad, mm-hmm. I got to bring. We got three, right? You said three. Okay. Um, The third would be... I get fucked up on the third one. Um, I don't know why I want to throw this out, but, like, I can justify later. I don't know. No, no, I don't. Ovid's Metamorphosis. Okay. For some reason, I really wanted to say um, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It does have this representation of all the different entities of being that I do like. Now I'm regretting doing the Ovid Metamorphosis. But that's strong, dude. That Ovid's Metamorphosis is incredible. Like, in the same way that the uh, Iliad and the Odyssey do the Alpha to Omega, that's what Ovid did in the um, Metamorphosis. I mean, he has the Ars Amatoris in his other works, but like, Metamorphosis is really where he becomes an artist. Mm-hmm. 
our cemeteries was like really popular. Like he was actually kind of what got him in trouble. <laughs> Augustus was not too happy about all that. Okay, if you're going with the whole seven volumes of Remembrance of Things Past, yeah. I'm going to go with the complete Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Oh, nice. I will go with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You're not going to include the Harry Potters? I'm thinking about it. Well, it's surprising you put the Hitchhikers before the Harry Potters, but it, it makes sense. I mean, there's so much comedy gold in there. And I just mean, there's lots of things that are great, but like the fact that you posited is the desert island. So it's like, I don't want to, I want to choose stuff that's going to keep me like buoyed. Like I'm stuck on a fucking desert island by myself. Like I don't want to be read, reading something like super fucking depressed. <laughs> but the thing is though, yeah, no, the like, thing I don't, don't no, want to no, be no. like the diary of Helen Keller. <laughs> the thing is, is that, well, yeah. Okay, no, so, uh, Anne Frank, the diary right. of Anne Frank, you know, like I'm stuck on this island by myself. Let me remind myself of the worst of humanity. <laughs> That's why, like, I'm kind of well, like no, hitchhiker's guide. Is, like, is that, yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to find like what's gonna bring you joy. That's the other thing. Is that like you're on a desert island you have to find something that actually and that's why i made that change where it's like ugh, chaucer has all this good stuff with him and i get it but like metamorphosis brings me joy like i love reading all the stories of the different yeah like in the turns of fr okay so anyways that that was something was just like i need a joy pick and you've already had your other picks, so you need a joy pick. Like, you need something that's just like, what is it that's just going to make me happy? What is it that's just going to make me have a little a little respite from this fucking torture of an island? Does it have to be, like, one singlified work, or can it be something I have in a book? Like, if I have this physical book in my house, can I choose that? Yeah. Preferably. Like, preferably something that's, like, super sentimental. The collected and... works of Lewis Carroll. Look at you. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what we're looking for. It's a good choice. That's a definitely a good choice. It definitely gets that, um, God, even more so than maybe some of my books. A hero's Journey kind of vibe. And, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's a great choice. Great choice. One dish that's presented to you, you won't eat it. Like, just like doesn't matter how how skillfully made or whatever like no i'm not gonna do that like realistic dish or like anything anything fried spiders okay <laughs> maybe not anything <laughs> realistic dish <laughs> realistic dish like a real thing i people... go back for what i said um i made a terrible mistake I mean, really, anything squash heavy. Anything I don't know what one specific like name of a dish, but yeah, anything that's real squash heavy. What's your qualm with squash? I just don't like it. Just don't like the way it tastes. Like summer squash versus winter squash? Just don't like the way squash tastes. Any squash. Any squash. Not a fan. Zucchini? Not a fan. Cooknut? Not a fan. And then you go all the way to butternuts. What about pumpkin? Do you like pumpkin pie? I do like pumpkin pie, and that's a gourd, so that's close. You know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to change my answer. Yeah, you better. Brussels sprouts. Okay. Not doing it. 
They nah. look like little alien nah. pods. Yeah, I'm not it. doing it. Bros, this bros is a pretty good answer. That is a weird. You know what? I'm going to amend it. You want to know one dish? Brussels sprouts are pretty good. One though. dish, greased Brussels sprouts. That's There's no way you get me to eat that. Greased Brussels sprouts. Not doing it. Like greased, like uh, greased. In, in oil? Like oh, covered yeah. in grease. Oh. Any kind of grease. <laughs> <laughs> Motor oil grease, tractor grease, you know what? lard. I don't I, care. I, I, I don't. I, I may not have the motor oil grease Brussels sprouts as well. That, that may be something I decide not to Elbow eat. Elbow grease? No, not doing it. Elbow not. grease. Grease the musical with Brussels sprouts? Not doing it. Not. I am not doing. Not gonna do I am not, not going to do Brussels sprouts coated in John Travolta. Not going to do it. <laughs> That's where I draw the line, my friend. Okay, so I got mine. All right. I'm trying to find the best. I thought yeah. you said you had bacon, it. Bacon, bacon, bacon. Bacon? Bacon, bacon. Bacon, bacon. The tofu version okay. of bacon. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue I on that. I told my wife for years she would only eat like turkey bacon or other. And then finally, finally, she decided to have some of the pork bacon. Uh, and she had one bite of it, and she turned to me and was like, this is so good. Why didn't you tell me it was so good? <laughs> and I turned back to her, I said, that's love. <laughs> I sat years <laughs> eating your turkey bacon. That is love. <laughs> oh, you had to have the turkey bacon, too? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, like, I thought course. this was a thing where she was like, here's, no, no. here's your I'm bacon. I'm not and like you had up to- a thing of bacon and then she's gonna have the turkey bacon. I mean, that's not realistic. This is a fucking real relationship we're in here. Like, we all have bacon. We both do turkey bacon if that's what she wants. You know what I mean? I guess. I mean, I'm lucky Miss Oklahoma is not weird like that. We have the real bacon. So. Well, this, was, this was, you know, a long time ago. She's changed. Don't don't judge her. Don't judge her. <laughs> she, 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 she's, she's okay now. She's Did you have a reason for not wanting to eat pork bacon? Now. Like, she just likes pigs? She was a vegetarian for a but, long time. Okay, so she get, knows, no, no. She knows turkeys are not vegetable, right? <laughs> getting her to turkey... Getting her to turkey was a transition. <laughs> okay, so you had to get her. You had to like phase her in. Exactly. <laughs> she was like, and actually, tofu bacon, and then you were like, the only here, thing have some that turkey. got her fucking, um, you know, quote unquote normal was pregnancy. Once she was pregnant, it's like, ah, let's have some fucking steak. Let's do it, man. <laughs> like, yeah, before that, that would have been like a nightmare. It's like, oh, pork steak, yes. So she was vegetarian until she got pregnant. Yeah, and we had to endure the years of non-pork bacon. And it's just, it is something where it's like, when you have real pork bacon and you have every other one, it's like, what are we doing here? (laughs) What's going on? Like, wait, (laughs) who are we kidding? Really, who are we kidding? You know, I've made me some hamburgers with turkey ground beef. Actually, I've made them within the last few hours. It still works. You know, it's it's not nearly as good. Cow always wins, but it's it still works. No, there's no equivalent to bacon. Mm. Like bacon is bacon, bacon, mm. bacon, bacon is good. There was a Dylan Morin joke about like he didn't understand how everyone thought that like when they died. The soul, or like the no, it's the body would still go on. It's like that's the easy part, you know. Like it's the soul that that's the difficult thing, you know. Like why would we carry on into some other, you know, pearly gates or whatever? Like the 
the real challenge in our life and our existence is the idea of the soul. Because we can all eat the same things. We can all do the same things. We can all live on this earth. But how we choose people to look at us, how we allow our comprehension of what people see from us is a, um illusion in one way. But it's the only thing we can grasp on our own reality on the other way. And we try to grapple with that reality between those two worlds on what we think we're doing, what everyone else is seeing, what we're doing. And even if we try to be indifferent, even if we try to say, oh, it doesn't matter, there's still the record, and it's still there. The, I almost say contest. And this relates to Bacon Howe? I, I have no idea. And this is but part of his stand-up? The, the contest between um, where the mind is and where the consciousness is. And this is a stand-up joke? Yeah, obviously. 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 No, it's not a stand-up joke. It's me getting way too sentimental. Well, you said it was a Dylan Morin bit. Fucking, um... Yeah, I don't even know how he got to the Dylan Morin. I don't know where we go to Well, you were saying Dylan bacon, Morin. and he said it's like this Dylan Morin bit. Bacon, Dylan Morin. And then you started talking about the soul. And I was like, <laughs> well, and you ruined it because I probably had something really good there. And our How entire did I ruin it. I let you go until you stopped. Our entire existence could have been changed by my metafucking physical terms that could have been there, but you stopped me, and now now we're all gonna die. It's all your fault. Yes, I'm sure I was the obstacle there. I think I really think so. Really think so. Gadzooks and Nerd Production. That's Gadzooks, G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S. Find us on the web at gadzooksandnerd.com slash meow. Yes, meow. M-E-O-W. If you liked the music, you can find more at gadzooksandnerd.com slash fields. That's fields, F-I-E-L-D-S. Nerd Obscurial Podcast and its contents are, except for the stealless joke, joke, the only owned and copyrighted property of Gadzooks and Nerd. So don't go stealing any of it, except, of course, for the stealless joke, joke, or we'll have to sick big pretzel on you. Any works, products, concepts, or otherwise intellectual property not owned by Gadzooks and Nerd, mentioned or discussed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast, are done so under fair use for the purposes of commentary, critique, and obviously comedy. So please don't sue us, because we can't actually sick big pretzel on anyone. The views, ideas, opinions, and beliefs expressed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast are solely those of its creator and your esteemed host, Eric the Troubadour, and do not represent the views, opinions, or beliefs of any individual or entity named, referenced, or alluded to in this podcast, including, but not limited to,